0: Path11 Podcast Listeners. We're welcoming our old listeners and new listeners to the show today. And today we're going to be interviewing Daryl Berry Jr. But before we get to his interview, we would like to bring you a word from our sponsor of this show today, Jeff Finley of Maker Mistaker Podcast. Jeff is going through a lot of changes this year. He's moving to Austin soon, and I'm sure some of you have already heard about his book, Wake Up. It's a story of how he woke up early for a year and it changed his life, not to mention sparked dozens of out-of-body experiences, and we know a lot of our listeners love to hear about other people's out-of-body experiences. And Jeff is also an author, a designer, and a coach, a man of many different talents, and he also came out with a really cool 1111 patch, and of course you guys know that we love the number 11, so if you are one of those 1111 followers and like that, you can head on over to his makermistaker.com backslash path website and he's got three cool patches up there he's got a star seed the 1111 patch and the flower of life patch so for those of you that collect those and like to put those on we would recommend that you head on over to his website makermistaker.com backslash path and also take a listen to his podcast it's really great he's got some interesting talks and interesting guests on there And now we'd like to introduce you to our guest today, Daryl E. Barry, Jr. He's the founder and CEO of Next Density. And Daryl had a lot of information. We actually brought him back for a second show, so you'll see two shows or listen to two shows with him. Um, he's also the author of Travel Far, Beginner's Guide to the Out-of-Body Experience, including firsthand accounts and comprehensive theory and methods. He's also the author of Classes on a Course in Miracles, Contemporary Pure Non-Dualism, Discussions one through twelve, and that came out, and that's going to be coming out in the spring of 2016. He's also the author of Next Density: Metamorphosis into Fourth Density Being, Personal Transformation for the New Age, and that is also coming out in the fall of 2016. You can find his information at nextdensity.com and daryl e jr.com. We'd like to welcome him to our show today. Welcome, Daryl.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, so you have some interesting stories, and you've been doing some interesting work in the world. I know that uh, you you have a lot of interest, and you've written a book about out of body experiences, and have a little bit of instruction in your book and to teaching people how to do this. And you also have some information that we're hoping to get to today on a course of miracles. So, um, would you like to let our audience know a little bit about? just how you came to learn about out-of-body experiences. I know in some of the information that I have about you, you were having some out-of-body experiences when you were quite young.
1: That's right, and uh, and that's one of the things that that early on gave credence to the experience for me because uh, I didn't learn about the experience from hearing about anybody else's experiences or reading about it or seeing on TV. I was four or five years old when I learned about it from mistakenly leaving my body on the bed. So basically, you know, it was earlier than sleep time, and I started to feel very heavy and lethargic. And uh, I told my mom that I was going to go lay down until I felt better, you know, because I was I was feeling, you know, that heavy, that bad. So I started walking to my bed, and I and I noticed that the closer I got to my bed, it seemed like the heavier I got, until eventually I just, you know, popped myself onto the bed, and I went to sleep. So at some point, in the night, I started to feel better. I don't know how much time went by, and I started to feel really good. So I figured I'll get up and tell my mom I'm feeling better so she wouldn't be worried, uh, thinking she was, you know, thinking I was, I was ill earlier. So I got up, and I went to the door to go leave and tell her. When I went to open up the door, my hand went through the doorknob. So I tried to open up the door again. My hand went through the doorknob again. And that's when I looked back and saw this lump on the bed uh, that I said surmised was my physical body. So at that point, I walked through the door, you know, figuring that if my hand went through the doorknob, the whole of me can get through the door. So I walked through the door. Uh, I took a beeline through all the intervening walls in between us and the kitchen. I realized I didn't even have to try to, you know, walk around any walls or anything or through the actual Pathway to the kitchen, and uh, I went into the kitchen and I, I saw my mom you know doing what the the thing she was doing in the kitchen. Uh, I tried to call out for her, but you know I noticed no sound came from my throat uh, uh, and she couldn't see me, she couldn't hear me and uh, at some point the experience just ended up as lost awareness, and I woke up in the morning and, and that was my first experience.
0: Great. Wow. Yeah, I, I know in some of the people in the out travelers that we've spoken to, have spoken to before, um, have similar stories of just popping out of their bodies when they were younger. And that's really where their exploration started. Now, as you were getting older and, you know, moving up through your teens and then adulthood, um, where did it stop and start for you or did it kind of continue on through adulthood?
1: Well, I did definitely, and I still do definitely have long periods of stopping. But I would say from that four or five years old to about, let's say, um, 12, 13, it was pretty much continuous. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I would float out of body and lay at the ceiling sometimes and just sleep at the ceiling all night. Just looking at the ceiling, because uh, one of the most interesting experiences that I had was I used to enjoy flying, the idea of flying, and uh, I used to have flying dreams a lot, and I used to feel myself, you know, floating, which I just thought was part of the dream, but I guess you know I must have did that a lot during the summer, during the winter time, and then summertime came and I turned the ceiling fan on, and one time I floated up. And I felt this whooshing sound. You know, I felt this sensation of floating like normal. But then it's like, well, what's this whooshing sound? This is different. And that's when I opened up my, my non-physical perception and noticed that my nose was an inch from the ceiling. Uh, and I looked to the side and saw that the whooshing sound was the sitting flame, sitting flame blade going through my non-physical body. I looked down and saw my physical body on the bed. Then I just slammed, just fell right back into my physical body. At which point I realized what I was feeling when I would have these flying dreams. And then suddenly I would, let's say, be on the edge of a cliff. And then I would fall off the cliff and I would feel myself fall. So I realized that I was, you know, pretty regularly floating up and sleeping at the ceiling and then I would fall back down to my physical body and uh but that's a pretty common occurrence you know a lot of people experience uh sensations of floating or that sensation of of falling when you're dreaming of going down an escalator or whatever so over the years I've learned that the out-of-body experience is really really a common experience you know uh several times I've seen people out of body who you know don't remember it but sometimes I'm able to confirm things about their lives that I would not be able to know otherwise. So the out of body experience is actually pretty common. What's what's not common is developing an awareness that allows you to keep those those uh, experiences in conscious awareness. Uh, another thing that happened when I was a kid a lot was I used to have a lot of out of body inter- interactions with extraterrestrials because. Uh, it's becoming more popular now, of course, partly because I'm uh, putting putting it out there, but the out-of-body experience in all the states is very uh, uh, intertwined with the idea of, of extraterrestrial interaction because a lot of the extraterrestrials that come here, which Lisa Royal, she contacts the Canadians. They put a lot of this information out. A lot of these beings exist in altered states. From our perspective. So, what we call alpha and theta, that's a lot of their, that's, that's the way they consciously are. So, that's why a lot of people don't remember their ET interactions because when you get into contact with these beings, because they exist at these altered states and their, their energy and their frequency is going at a different rate. And when we interact with them, we sort of meet in the middle. Our frequency, increases our state of consciousness, lowers, meaning we start to go into these altered states. And, of course, theirs there's comes down a bit and meters in the middle, but if, we, if we're not used to being in these altered states, if we're used to, for instance, going to sleep and seeing oblivion, then, of course, when we meet these extra, extraterrestrials and go into these altered states, then we also have oblivion. That's why a lot of people have missing time when they, have, they see a craft and let's say they get home and an hour pass because they've had some kind of interaction but they went into these altered states but they're not trained to be conscious in these alter states so they don't remember. So when I was a kid I used to for instance uh, get up and go into the living room and I would see a grey alien just standing there in the living room. Uh, several times this would happen. Uh, uh sometimes i would go out and i would see a craft floating right right in front of the house over the trees um one time i saw these at uh, least actually not even one time like there was a there was a, an extended period of time where uh i would wake up in the night and i would sit up out of body and i would see three beings standing on the side of my bed they would be standing in a semicircle you know one facing directly to me and one on either side of that being sort of angled in and it would be telepathically pouring information into my awareness. You know, so a lot of the stuff that I learned and, and became aware of as a kid at that point was because these beings poured like tons of information in my mind and years later when I started to read, I started to read things like Seth. So sure you heard of Seth and Jane Roberts and and Bashar, and you know he teaches a lot of stuff through Daryanka. You know I started to read these people's books, and it was like, wow, that reminds me of stuff that those people, those beings shared with me. So uh, uh, several of the interactions that I've had with I, that when I was a kid. The, the first. Conscious thing I did as a kid because I started to realize, you know, this is really something and I could really do something with it. The first conscious thing I did was go to Big Ben. Uh, they taught us in in, the, in elementary school about Big Ben, the clock, and I decided to intend on going there. And sure enough, I teleported there, and, uh, and that was the first purpose of thing I did. So I mean, uh, I mean, still probably the bulk of my out of body experiences. I, I mean, I had hundreds and not thousands of out of body experiences as, as a kid. Now,
0: um, you do a really nice job of explaining. I'd like you to go a little bit further in depth with just educating our audience a little bit more on the different, um, like the different waves—the alpha, alpha, beta, delta. Yes. Theta. And because you kind of touched on that a little bit about how um, the extraterrestrials kind of have to come to our level, we're raising our vibration maybe up to theirs, and can you explain the different levels, again, just a little more in depth and how that interaction happens?
1: Definitely. So basically the, the, human, the human being and the way we experience it is our human brain has basically five different states. And, you know, generally four is accepted, but there's actually five. The fifth one is just coming into fruition. So really the fastest brainwave state that we have is is this state called gamma, which which is basically a hyper brainwave state that's only experienced by people who meditate in a very certain specific way, like certain Buddhist meditators that have this sort of uh, amorphous type of focus, like they focus on compassion and they just hold this emotion Any brain brainwaves instead of, Slowing down, the brain waves increase, and it gets into this gamma state. But that's not really involved with the out of experience. But I just want to make people aware of that. That's becoming more uh, common. Our normal state is beta, which is a state that we're in right now. You know, it's a, a brain wave state. Whether 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 frequency oscillates, uh, I think somewhere around. Uh, You know, like between 12 and 30, something like that. I remember the exact, I didn't really memorize the exact uh, frequency and different uh, doctors or different sources will give you slightly different variations. But let's say between 12 and 30. And uh, that's our waking state when you awaken your physical body. And it's a very focused state. So, so beta it blocks out a lot of information. You know, if you if you very very focused in beta, all you're aware of is the is the physical world, the the, the four dimensional world. You know, including time, very very limited perspective, uh, which is why you can have a planet that's based mostly in in beta, and we can for instance we went through a long time believing that we were the only people in the universe, and and uh, and all of this nonsense It's a very tight focus. Now. The next state below that is alpha. Where your brain over you slow down a a, a a bit more. Now. Alpha is actually very very common because just watching. Let's say a television show or a movie, where you're just sitting there, you're receptive, you're not really thinking, you're just absorbing what's there. Your brainwave emits a lot of alpha uh, when you when you go into light meditation, you experience a lot of alpha. Or when you're very drowsy, so you have a full day, and you're up a lot, you go into you go into alpha. That's pretty much just a slower brainwave state. Not a lot of stuff happens in alpha. Uh, if you if you close your eyes and meditate and go into an alpha state. You might for instance have increased thought. you, you, you might your mind might have a lot of mind chatter. Uh you- Research meditation. It'll talk about the monkey mind, uh, or you could even have some some uh, a quieter mind as you start to go into alpha. Uh, you can start to see amorphous shapes or, or sort of colors, but it's not going to be uh, multicolored. It's going to be like one color. Usually, my like mine is a sort of yellowish color. Some people might see a sort of whitish or bluish color, but you'll see basically very very uh, light. Imagery, but it's monotone in color, not much activity. You can consider it a light meditative state. Uh, Now, when you get into theta, that's when some interesting things start to happen. So, theta is basically basically the state of true meditation. So, the brain is oscillating, the brain waves are oscillating at between four and seven, four and eight uh, cycles of. And theta is the level of psychic powers. Theta is the level of, of clairvoyance, of telepathy. Uh, so whenever, let's say, a person is uh, seeing an aura, what you're doing is you're 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 obviously focused in the physical world and in 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 beta because you can see the physical world, but you're overlapping the beta frequency with theta, which allows you to look into different dimensions and thus see auras. And and you or you're overlapping the non-physical data on top of the physical data, and then you see auras, or when someone is clairvoyant. When you look at remote viewing, all remote viewing is is a scientific way of applying clairvoyance. So remote viewing is not the skill in itself. Remote viewing is a protocol that was developed to 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 screen out extraneous data, you know our own internal minderings and, and and so on and so forth. But the the core ability is actually clairvoyance, which means that if they're going into a data state. Uh, now, when you go into the extraterrestrials, again, that's the state that they exist in simply because when you it, when, whenever you expand on your perceptions, you automatically your brainwave state slows. Which, which again, is why when you see auras, you're in theta. When you when you work with energy, you're in theta. Basically, anything that you do that that involves a, a non-physical perception or a non-physical experience, even while you're physical, your waves start to slow down, Slow down to experience that. And then below that is, oh, and so let me give you some other things that you're theater. Uh, you experience in theta. You will have colored imagery. So if you're closing your eyes and you're meditating, whereas in alpha, you will see like a monotone perspective. In theta, you, you'll see color. In light theater, let's say you'll see flashes of purple, flashes of green. Uh, a, a face may flash. Uh, in full theta, you start to have different scenes. Like you might, let's say, see a, a nature scene. You might suddenly see a, a, a lake or or a forest. You it be able to be full color. So if you're meditating, if your eyes are closed, whenever you see anything with color, you know you're in theta. And in deep data, then that imagery becomes full screen and immersive. It becomes continuous. You know, instead of just seeing a flash of a forest, now it looks like you have a a remote camera feeding you information from the forest, and and it's stable and it's there. And uh, so that's what data is about, colored imagery. And of course, if you, because that data status is is like a a good example is um, uh, I started a, a research study well, years ago, I did a, a phase one research study where I taught a lot of people how to have the out-of-body experience to help validate t- t- the techniques by teaching a group of people at one time. And uh, recently, I started a, a, a phase two where I got people who can already out-of-body travel and into other into states, and we would get out-of-body and meet each other and do telepathy experience and things like that. Well. I mean, we did this telepathy experience one time when you both got into all the states. And uh, and we didn't even do like, there's a there's a telepathy experiment where you play with these little cards and you have these cards and you you know, like a triangle or a square or whatever. We just did anything. Just send whatever you want to send. So I went into meditation. I went into my altar state, what I call state acquisition is what I call it in travel for. And I got into my theta state, I opened up my mind. And what I saw was a hot dog was just floating in my mind's eye. So you imagine your eyes just closed, you know, you can see the darkness, and the hot dog just appears. It's floating there, a dimensional full-color hot dog. I cleared up my mind, opened up my mind again to see if something else shows up. Hot dog appears. Nothing else came up. I cleared up my mind again, nothing else was coming. Uh, the next day I talked to him, and sure enough, that's what he sent. He, he got into his theta state and he was just thinking about a hot dog, how good it would taste to, to bite into it he was imagining a hot dog and it was just that that easy so when when you get into the theta state that's the state of telepathy so so you've heard about extraterrestrials one of the things they are is telepathic you know so many accounts of the Greys being telepathic the Pleiadians being telepathic that's the theta state but they're they're naturally telepathic because they exist and walk around at the theta state. Now, below theta is delta. That's when your brain is oscillating between like 0.1 and four cycles a second. Basically, that's the deepest level of sleep. Uh, basically, that's coma, uh, and that's basically the slowest your brain wave frequency is going to oscillate. When you're in delta, you're in an out-of-body experience. So, whenever you have an out-of-body experience, your 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 body is in your body is in delta, and 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 uh, basically, there's no way to not have an out-of-body experience when you're in Delta. I mean, there's some exceptions, you know, but generally speaking, if you have no training, when your body goes into Delta, you're in full deep sleep and your non-physical body floats a little bit out of your physical body. So, you know, whenever anybody goes to sleep, they have an out-of-body experience. For the most part, people are just, you know, floating close by. Uh, Sometimes you travel around. Like I've seen people traveling around on different dimensions and things like that. But If you don't train yourself to enter these states consciously, you just don't remember. Um, Now, that's why a lot of contact, by the way, also happens in out-of-body states, because these these beings recognize, for one, that we have a lot of fear. We have a lot of uh, uh, dissociation on this planet. Uh, So to not frighten us and also to honor our own wish to not know, uh, because a lot of people complain about disclosure about the government keeping secrets. But the fact is, anybody who wants to know extraterrestrials are real. There's enough videos out there. There's enough accounts out there. There's enough radar evidence and firsthand accounts of, you know, reputable people. You know, of course, anybody who sees it and telling the truth is fine. But there's policemen and military people and and, and politicians and all kind of people who've seen and, and, and said this stuff. But to honor our own desire to keep this stuff still on the on the on the down low, a lot of the contact happens to these non physical states. So, uh, a lot of the times as you start to get into these altered states, for one you'll have non physical contact. Uh, so again, as a kid, several times I've seen them. Uh, just just in practicing altered states, I would see alien faces showing up. I remember one time, uh, I decided I wanted to get in contact with an ET. And, you know, I went into, I laid it down, I practiced my state acquisition, I went into a a theta state, and almost as soon as I hit theta, uh, my regular imagery, whatever I was seeing trees and forests and stuff like that, it all went away, and this alien face just appeared and came and put itself directly in front of my face, and was just looking at me. And uh, it was humanoid, its skin was brown, but a different kind of brown. it looks sort of like a mixture between, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a hybrid between human and gray, but it was not, uh, the skin color was just different. Uh, the mouth was small, the nose was small, the eyes, I mean, you could just, it, it was just definitely some inhuman thing, and it was just looking at me, <laughs> was just, and all it took was just the intent, so a lot of these beings are, are around, you'll be surprised, um, just two months ago, what is this, December? I guess that's four months ago now. uh, uh, I decided to have contact and, and I was going into all the states reaching out because the thing is, when you go into theater, again, that sort of the level of the psychic and you reach out telepathically to contact ETs, they hear it. They get the message. And I've had Consciously initiated, I should say, because I don't know how many ET contacts I've actually had, but consciously initiating contact. I've had at least seven, I believe, off the top of my head that I've initiated with my own intent. And uh, because when you go into Theta and you you reach out to these beings, they hear it. It's it's no different than picking up a phone and being able to call them. So I was reaching out to have contact, and I had a spontaneous out-of-body experience where I saw this craft it was a it was a sort of a uh, oval type craft. Uh, there were other people there, and uh, I got on the craft. It took me around the solar system. Uh, I was able to see the beings vaguely. I wasn't fully conscious. I was conscious enough, but my my perception was still hazy. And I I'll talk about that in a moment as well. Remind me about the surrealness. And I promised a friend of mine that uh, if I get on the craft, we'll do a flyby, and he has the craft, the recording on his cell phone. They showed me the next day, so and that was just in August. So, these beings are around, and all you have to do is enter altered states, and you can have contact galore. Uh, uh, And you know that's one of the reasons why these experiences are so surreal, because um, because these beings exist on these altered, what, what to us is an altered state. You know, it's just like if you if you take cold water and you take hot water, and you put them together. You're going to end up with some warm water, right? The molecules of the cold water are so going to bump into the molecules of the hot water and vice versa. And they're going to slow each other down and speed each other up uh, uh, as, as necessary. And then they'll end up with some with some symbiosis between the two. It's really no different. So when you have these beings operating at theta, you have us operating at beta, we slow down and it becomes very dreamy. So one, one of the contacts I had, I was reaching out every day. Uh, telepathically to have contact, and this was like in the year like 2000, so around there, and I was uh, I was driving home from work, and uh, I saw these pink flashes in the, in the clouds that I knew couldn't have been lightning because for one it was pink, and it was just just flashing intermittently, and uh, I was living in New Orleans at the time. I was on the high rise, so I could see very far away. So I knew that. I decided that. Wherever those clouds were, I was going to go. I didn't really know how far I was seeing. I couldn't judge the distance, but I was like, that could be Florida. I'm about to drive to those flashes, but I was driving to the flashes, and and I happened to be able to take the normal route to my home, and uh, I drove about six blocks past my normal street. And I parked my car and looked at these flashes and, uh, and and it started flashing faster and faster and faster. And at the zenith of the flashing, it became a solid pink flash. And this beautiful craft floated down uh, uh, out of the clouds. And I actually have, I actually found images of of the you know and, and, and you know and I don't I wasn't able to of course validate these images I don't I don't know how accurate these images are if they're photoshopped or not or whatever but I got to let you know that the images I'm about to link for you here they they definitely illustrate what I saw so if you check out this link right here I'll put it in Skype
2: I got a quick question that page. go ahead yeah I, I actually just got got the attachment I want to just take a step back and talk about the grays a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now you're you're seeing them in this out of body state.
1: Obviously, oh, some of them were physical and some of them are non-physical.
2: So it has okay, well, the all right, well, the the question I'm having is, like, especially in the non-physical state, is this this gray style being? Is this more like a metaphor for what they really represent, or what how they actually are in their natural?
1: No, in my experience, that's that's physically how they are. Okay. So according to uh, Bashar, who's a hybrid from the assassin race, who, ch- who channels celebrity through Daryl Anka, according to him, uh, many of the greys that we have contact with, what happened is they're actually humans. But on their timeline, because it's, of course there's multiple timelines, multiple dimensions, on their timeline, they basically destroyed themselves. They destroyed the environment much like how we're doing now. But some timelines, that is, is much progressed compared to how it is now, you know, much earlier, much sooner. So in their timeline, they destroyed their environment so much that their their bodies were so toxic that they couldn't reproduce. And their bodies were so toxic that they started to, uh, what's the word? Uh, The best word I could come up with is morph, but it's not morph. They started to disfigure, I guess you could say. And uh, the environment was so toxic that they went underground to escape the toxicity. So combined with the genetic uh, uh, deformities because of the toxicity, uh, 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 the toxicity of the environment, which included the food, the water, the air, uh, uh, and then they couldn't reproduce normally anymore, so they started to clone which started to deteriorate the genetics, just like if you take, a, uh, you know, they, they displayed that in that movie Multiplicity. You make a copy of a copy, it's a little bit worse. So all of these factors combined to where they devolved genetically until what they looked like, the, the classic gray. And uh, what they did was, because they realized that at the rate they were going, they were going to be extinct. Their genes would just no longer be viable. They developed a, a technology to tunnel through different dimensions. And they tunneled into our timeline so they can find human DNA that was viable, Which is to say, human DNA that didn't go through as much was great as a deterioration. Uh, You know, ours is already going through a deterioration, but it's nowhere near that extent. Which is why they were able to make a hybrid race. I mean, how else uh, rhetorically, how else could a truly alien race make a mixture between them and us. There wasn't some kind of similarity. The the similarity is that they're technically human, but they're just generations and generations and generations of atrophy and and deformation and so on and so forth. So that's how they look, you know. So now the thing is there's many different races of grays. Like I've met the short, like the ones I saw as a kid were mostly the short gray. They look, you know, three to four feet tall, you know, big eyes, spindly arms. I uh, saw them very regularly. Uh, the beings that were standing on the side of my bed, they were a bit taller. I can't really be certain what they were because uh, they were, all I saw was light. They they look like they were made of light. They were like beings of light. So, But, but a physical being who has uh, uh, a sufficient degree of, of difference between vibration could look like they're glowing, uh, as well as a non-physical being could just of a sufficient degree can look like is glowing. Uh, So I can't really be certain what they were. I know from my my perception they were beings of light. But I know that, uh, you know, my research, uh, Carla Turner, has several accounts of people who were visited by grays who would take that same semicircle position, right? Um, Now these grays that I met as a kid, they actually told me that they were my ancestors. They actually told me that they were my real family. Uh, uh, which uh, which I believed for a long time. You know, I wanted to, to somehow leave this planet, which a lot of times I still think about now, which is why I make contact a lot of times. Uh, but they told me that they were my real family and some kind of way. I ended up here, uh, and they were coming to visit me or whatever the case was. Uh, later, I met this, this gray called Okanos, uh, one of my frequent periods of times when I was going out of body uh, in my theta state this being would start appearing. At first, he appeared cloaked in this uh, large robe. I couldn't see any of his features. And over time, I started to see his hands, and and eventually he took off his hood. He was a gray that was six or seven feet tall. Uh, He had ridges on his head. If you can imagine, his temples, like, went all the way across his head, you can imagine these two ridges on both sides of his head, uh, 6 or 7 feet tall. And he told me he was a father of mine in a previous lifetime. And we went out of body, he took me to the planet or a representation of the planet that we lived on. It was a cinder. Apparently we had a, a war that destroyed the planet. I mean, not only cured everything, but like literally the planet was destroyed. And uh, apparently all the people there incarnated in different places, so mm-hmm. according to him, I was a part of that society, and and I came here, and he came and visited me, and he taught taught me a lot of stuff. But he was a gray who was six or seven feet tall. I mean, even taller than that, probably seven or eight feet tall. When I'm about it, I met him several times. Uh, if you if you research Courtney Brown, he met several different kinds of greys. So there's many different factions of greys. Uh, there's not really this one time, but. Kind, but the most the, the, the predominant kind that humans on Earth have contact with are humans from a different timeline that took our DNA to make a different race. And apparently, uh, the craft that flew over Phoenix well, actually, the whole state of Arizona I'm sure you're aware of the Phoenix Lights it was a, a craft that was one or two miles wide on, on camera, on video. Even the governor of the state, sorry for people who, you know, see that stuff, those titles as important, he lied at the time while he was a politician, as politicians do. But when he got out of office, he said, even he saw, you could see him on the Phoenix Likes documentary saying he saw it. But it was a one or two mile wide craft. And apparently that was a hybrid race uh, from a, a result of the genetic manipulation going on between the grades that have been abducting people. I'm sure you heard the stories, you know, a woman gets pregnant. You know, woman has missing time. Fetus disappears. I mean, all of that stuff was the genetic manipulations going on. So that's that's really how they look. Now, the fact is, there are beings that, uh, let's say, uh, put a guise of how they look. Uh, When I got on that craft. In August, I couldn't necessarily see exactly what the beings looked like, and for one, it has to do with the surrealness of the situation. Like when that being came out, when that craft came out the clouds. Soon as that craft came out the clouds, and I was looking at that craft, and it was only like about three blocks away. It wasn't like some little dot. I mean, it was it was as clear as those pictures, right, that you see on the top of that webpage. There was no doubt that what I was seeing was some kind of foreign thing, and everything immediately became surreal. It is, everything just immediately became dreamy-like, and, uh, and eventually I blacked out and had an hour and a half of missing time, so I don't know everything that happened, but even even out of body, when I was on that craft, it, just, it was just a certain surrealness, and uh, what I saw was bluish. Like I, I saw a sort of humanoid shape. I saw bluishness. But even then, I sensed that what I was seeing was not actually what the beings looked like. Uh, There's this guy named Gary Renard, we're going to talk about the Course later, who was visited by these Ascended Masters. And uh, they took him out of body and took him to meet the Pleiadians. Apparently, they have this planet-sized craft that they were flying through the galaxy with. And uh, they looked at him like humans. But the Ascended Masters told him that that's just the... the, uh, the 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 uh, image or the appearance—the word I'm looking for—that's just the appearance that they're that they're choosing to show you. That's not the only way they look. So apparently, there's different races of beings that can, uh, in a sense, shape shift, and or they have, let's say, different uh, uh, appearances from different angles of perception. And what I mean by that is, even if you look at the idea of extraterrestrial crabs, uh they can. I'll, I'll, I'll link you a video later to where. There's a certain race of beings that's visiting Earth. I plan on contacting this race of beings. Maybe they can let me go with them. <laughs> they have this walnut type of craft. It looks like a diamond or a walnut. And there's several different... Uh, uh, and I, I'll find it while I'm while I'm explaining it to you. There's several different sightings of this type of craft around the world, in the United States and China and the UK. There's this this certain type of walnut shaped craft. And uh, what I started to do was I started to find the best the best footage of this craft and put it in one video to show that this 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 certain race of beings is 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 visiting here and and are, and are very prevalent. And in one of the videos of recordings of this craft, you know, these, these people out camping or whatever, and you can see them recording and they're saying, oh, my gosh, there's a spaceship, you know. And uh, I mean, clearly, it's not some kind of Photoshop thing. And these are according to my perception. And then you have, of course, the different videos of the same thing across the planet. But at one point in time, this diamond shaped craft turns into like a field of light. It is no longer a solid object. It becomes like a morphing, shifting, moving pattern of light. And you're like, what the hell is going on? And what happened to the people inside the crowd? Did they fall out? Well, <laughs> when, when they shift their frequency, they look different because that's all perception is. The, the reason why we see the things we see with our physical eyes is because the, the electromagnetic spectrum that our eyes perceive vibrates at a certain frequency, and the things that vibrate at that frequency that reflect that frequency of light, we, quote, see. We see a very, very small range of what's visible. So a lot of these extraterrestrial races, they've developed the ability to shift their frequency. And when their frequency shifts, the, the, the vibrations they put off shifts so they look different. Which is why people can, just say, see a craft, and it's one side of craft, and then the next moment it breaks into four pieces. And you're like, what the hell just happened? Because if you change this frequency and at a different frequency, it's different. Uh, uh, so some of these beings physically, they can change their frequency, and they look different to us. You know, so I, I've, I've had an account like uh, this lady named uh, Pamela Stonebrook years ago, I don't think she's public anymore, but uh, I guess that was like 20 years ago, whatever, she used to do interviews, and she was visited by reptilians, and a lot of times, the reptilian would be a human, and then it would shift into a reptilian, and then it would shift into a human, because it would, you know, so so there's beings that have this ability. Uh, So, you know, uh, some of it is not necessarily that they're trying to hide their appearance for negative reasons, like, you know, the the people who, who Gary Renard met, I guess they were just, you know, perhaps with his own benefit, maybe not to freak him out. And of course, sometimes it's just, you know, we see what matches the frequency we could perceive. So there's a lot of different things going on.
2: Yeah. I've seen, well, actually a couple of weeks ago, we had Marla Fries on our show and, um, she, uh, we talked about UFO sightings and stuff. And there was another sighting I had that I didn't talk about. that happened later on, probably about 10 years after the the last sighting that I talked to her about was a ufo it was kind of like what you talked about it was different from the other ufos that i've seen when i was younger and this was more of like a f- floating green pyramid if that makes any sense and it, it it did that morph in the sky kind of thing it almost looked like um uh it it started out like a regular kind of like a regular pyramid but then it, it rotated in a way and morphed a little bit and it was like this floating diamond kind of thing. And then it just took off and that's, right. that's right. And I mean, I, I don't really have a question from that, but it's more, I could think the question I want to ask is why, if everybody's seeing these and like, if you go on YouTube and you know, put in UFO, you get like millions of <laughs> uh, different videos now. Why aren't we, why isn't this a public disclosure, I guess is the right word to say. Why uh, why aren't the governments coming out? I know there, if you really dig into it, there are governments that want to talk about it, but you have like the U.S. and I know there's a few other countries that want to suppress that disclosure. Um, do you, Know why that
1: is, or yes, I do. And and uh, you know, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'm finalizing classes on the Course in Miracles now, and I can't wait to start on next density, which is gonna focus just on on these ideas because it's such a prevalent uh misconception. You know, the government is not releasing it publicly, publicly because we don't want it to. And I was touching upon that when I was saying the fact that. Like you said yourself, the information is out there. If people don't know, it's because they don't want to know. And if people will only accept when, quote, the government tells them, and we know the group is just a bunch of, you know, lying, hypocritical people. I mean, people know this. You know, it, you know there's a, there's a, it's a running joke. I'm sure you've heard it. How do you know a politician is lying? What's the answer? You know?
2: They, they go around the question.
1: No, no. You know a politician is lying because their lips are moving. I'm sure you heard that (laughs) one before.
2: Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know a politician is lying because their lips are moving, but yet people still (laughs) are waiting for them to give them the answer. It's because they don't want to know. They don't want to know. The government is the effect. The government is just a small group of people. There's no entity called the government that's like 20 stories tall that's walking around controlling everything. It's a small group of people that are doing only what we allow them to do, that's it. So if, if someone is deciding, I, I'm i not gonna know, I'm not gonna accept it until the government says it's true, and the government is not saying it's true, then it's because they don't want to know, as simple as that. And I know that from experience. You know, every single time, every, every, now I wanna make sure I, I highlight this, every single time i have reached out for contact i have had contact every single time uh i got on the craft in august of this year that that in around 2000 i saw i'm a, you know i had that i had that sighting six blocks from my home where that craft came out the clouds like the one I, of that image you saw clear as a day three blocks away uh about uh Let's say I'm not so clear on the time, because at the time I wasn't I wasn't planning on doing what I'm doing now. I was just I was, was interested and I was exploring this stuff. But let's say a week or two later, uh, I had another sighting where I was coming home from work. I saw these flashes in the sky, and I drove my car to see the flashes. And there's a lake in New Orleans called Lake Pontchartrain, and and there was about a dozen of these crafts over the lake. About a dozen of them. You, you can see these these pink flashes in the sky. The the, the the pink light was flashing on a lake. One of them was over the over the side or over the ground. It was right over the structure, like um, on the side of the, the lake. There, I don't know if it was a theme park or somebody just wanted to have a strange-looking home, but it, 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 it was like a little castle, and, and you could see that the light bouncing off the, the, the crafts were there. And I don't know if it was years before or years later, I talked to this fisherman. We were just talking, and I started talking about ETs, and he told me at his own prompting that he saw this giant thing over the Overlake Poncho train flashing its pink light. Just like what I saw, just like the craft I saw come out. Uh, another night around that period of time, I used to, I used to, you know, walk back and forth to this gas station about a mile away, and buy a bag of peanuts and just, you know, some shell peanuts and eat them on the way home. Looking for craft. On the way walking home one time, I saw this humongous cloud towards Lake Pontchartrain, and it was glowing like, like part of the craft. The cloud was like a kaleidoscope. You know, a kaleidoscope. But it was like a a spherical kaleidoscope, this pink, purple, green, just glowing and changing and shifting colors inside the cloud. It was amazing and it was huge. And I heard, and what what seemed to be this black helicopter was flying like three stories into the air going straight for the disturbance. Uh, I mean, you know, know, I had the sighting. I mean, uh, uh, you know, I saw that being. I mean, every single time I wanted to have contact, I've had contact. And um, Stephen Greer, I'm sure you heard of Stephen Greer Disclosure Project, Serious Disclosure, and so on and so forth. Yep. Uh, he he has this map, like he he made this uh, app to where anybody who wants to have contact, uh, who's interested in having a, a, a CE5 contact group, they could list themselves on this map. And uh, I had you know, tons of contact individually on my own. So I figured, well, let me, let me have a research study where I teach other people to have contact and we have group contact for a change, which will help facilitate rural contact and and so on and so forth. And uh, I contacted everybody in a 50 mile radius. People who are listed saying they want to have contact. Only one person came out of, I don't know, I don't know how many people I contacted, 30, 40 and these are people listed saying they want to have contact. One of them re- replied back saying, what are you doing? Yeah, he was freaking out. He was like, what are you doing? What if, what if they take you and don't bring you back? And, and and what if they bring in a plague? They might have a plague. And and, and first thing I'm thinking is, why is this guy even listed anyway? <laughs> On the invite-me-to-see-five page, so I answer this question. Well, first of all, they don't have a plague because I've, I've been having contacts since I was a kid, and we're all still here. You know, and, 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 you know What if they What if they want to take over the planet and destroy us? Well, I mean, we're still here. If they wanted to, they would—I mean, I've seen their craft before. If they wanted to—one of those craft could probably take out the whole planet in like an hour or something. So not to mention there's some this craft that's—I mean, the Sassini picked up this giant object near Saturn and Rodney Martin— spoke about this craft near Saturn. is a giant craft. Uh, apparently, they picked up another 26-mile-wide object under its own locomotion. So, I mean, I mean, these beings are moving faster than the speed of light. They're going into different dimensions. You, you, you can't go with the speed of light and get from here, I mean, to, to plate, from Pleiades to here in any decent amount of time. So, I mean, you, you could take probably a rock, and send it faster than the speed of light. And when it hit the planet, it's going to cause some problems. So they don't even have to come here if they wanted to destroy us. I mean, they could just destroy us from out of space and then just come, you know, take the planet after we're all gone. So clearly they don't want to just destroy us. So, So again, going back to your question, all of that being said, the reason why disclosure is not happening is because the government is responding to the will of the people. And I'm not saying they're doing that consciously. They have their own Control thing because again, if you if you look into the ET agenda, there's a lot going on with that. If you look at these craft, again, they're coming from different star systems. What are they using? You're not going to use petrol. You're not going to use diesel. There's not enough diesel to, to fill up a craft to go light years. So they so they're using they're using a form of energy that will revolutionize this entire civilization, right? Which we have. They have access to. But if the government acknowledged that we have that. Then it's going to be why are we using gas. But again, the people are fine with that because we're still fighting over gas and stuff like that. You know, if we really wanted it, if we really wanted this stuff, we would do like I'm doing. We would say, you know what? I want to know if ETs are real. Let me look up and <laughs> see. Let I me, mean, you know, there's this is guy Stephen Greer saying he can teach me how. This guy Daryl Berry is saying he can teach me how. Well, let me learn. And let me have contact. If everybody wanted it, we would all have and we would just leave the government behind. It would be it would be no. I mean, it would be nothing. The government is the effect. And that's why Bashar says you are your government. And a lot of people find fault with that, because obviously, ostensibly, they're doing a lot of things we don't want. You know, they have cures for all of these uh, uh, diseases that they're hiding and they're killing people with, you know, manufactured wars and killer vaccines and, and undercover stabilizations. And, and yeah, I mean, it's, you could, we could, we could I, could, I could, I could, do a whole interview on the tyranny of the government and all that stuff that's going on. But the reason why we tolerate all that stuff is because again, that's where we're at. It, you know, when, when I'm my door at night, it's not because, you know, the government of course, if they want to come get you. They just break the door down. I lock my door because somebody down the street, somebody next door, will rob me. Will break into my car. The humanity as a whole is really dishonest. You know, <laughs> if you look at it, you know, if you look at business, the corporate world, you know, the things that people do to get ahead, you know, uh, these big chains of stores that will put a store there and drop prices, put the local stores out of business and then raise prices. You know, you, you go to school, they, you know, they, they, rather than learn, they'll look on somebody's page and cheat off their page to get a good grade and then make fun of the person for being smart. <laughs> it's just, The craziness that we do on every level, the government is a reflection of what we are. So uh, we want that to change. We have to change ourselves. We have to decide within ourselves to no longer be dishonest, to no longer be controlling. You know, if if you, you know, there's a big thing going on now with uh, the election that's coming up in in, in the United States and, and different people want to vote for the politician that's going to do what they want them to do. Even if that means, you know, for instance, there's a big gun thing going on now because, of course, you can't have tyranny if people can fight back. You know, so they have, there's a, a cross section of people who actually believe the hype, and believe if they take guns, it will be going to be safer, even though the data totally just refutes that. Uh, but when they vote for a politician that wants to ban guns, what are they saying? They're saying, they're saying, I don't care what you want for yourself. This is what I want. I'm too cowardly to come do it myself. I'm not going to come take the guns from you myself. But I'm going to vote for this person to tell this group of mercenaries to come and take your guns from you by force and infringe upon your freedom and liberty. So anybody who's voting to take away gun rights, anybody who's voting basically for against anything, anybody who's voting for, quote, government to enforce any law on anybody, for instance, gay marriage, you know, it doesn't affect you at all. If someone marries somebody else, it doesn't affect you at all. So all the people who's voting against gay marriage, they do not want liberty. They want their own morality to be enforced at the point of a gun, and necessary, on someone else because they want what they want, regardless of what you want. Another thing is this refugee thing. People are upset about refugees coming, and you know, the refugees can't come. Now, I'm not saying that's good or bad. I don't know, but every single person in the United States right now who's not native, meaning will be called the American Indian, you're a refugee, and all the people who here, for instance, uh, you know. The Bureau of Land Management, they're out there burning people's lands to take their land so they can sell it to whoever to make a profit. They're burning people's lands, burning people's houses down, you know, and and of course that's bad, that's wrong, but we don't mind it. When we benefit from it, because if you look at what happened with the Indians, the Indians were given smallpox blankets, they were killed, they were hoarded off, and everyone who's living in America now are living at the benefit of the massacre of the Indian people. But I don't see any of those people saying, you know what, taking people's lands falsely is wrong. Let me give the Native Americans their land back that I'm living on and go back to the land that my ancestors came from. Nobody's saying that. So the fact is, we all have the same mindset as these people called government. And when it benefits us, we don't mind tyranny. When it benefits me personally, we don't mind infringing on our neighbor's rights. We don't mind taking our neighbor's property by force, by murder, if it benefits us. So the only way the government quote is going to change is if we change. And so that's why the focus is on again us being honest, us being allowing, allowing people to choose for themselves, regardless of what I choose for myself. You know, uh, you know. And, but that's a whole discussion in itself, right there. But that's that's the answer in a nutshell.
2: Yeah, you kind of covered a lot of ground there. You have the government, that that whole thing, the government, you know, suppression that I brought up. But, you know, you have these big ships out there. Hmm. Maybe they talked to you about this, but why haven't they come in, kind of like you see in the movies, like Independence Day, or um, that show V that was on for a while, where, you know, they just, these ships come in, they cover up the cities. Why don't why don't they do that? Are, is there a reason why they're just kind of this blurry video on YouTube right now? Or is this, you know... Does Billy
1: Meyer ring a bell?
2: Billy Meyer. Oh, does that... Uh, who is that? I, I've heard the name. Is,
1: is a guy from Switzerland who has yes. up close, clear pictures of extraterrestrial from, craft from, from the Pleiades. People don't want to know. That's why. It's simple. There's the, there's the, the one to two mile wide craft that flew over... Arizona, there's the the, the, the craft pictures that were taken by Billy Meyer. Uh, I mean, you know, there's enough irrefutable evidence out there that if people wanted to know, they would know. The second answer is they're taking their cues from us. So, you know, you're right. And you're still right because, yes, there was that craft that flew over Arizona. But, but what if there was a craft like that that flew over every single city at the same time? In daylight. In daylight. Yeah, that would make everybody know. But again, what happened when I contacted people listed on the website saying they want to have group contact? What happened? They were freaking out. They were freaking out. I was doing it, let alone them doing it. That would people would be committing suicide. People would be going crazy. They're smarter than that. they're they're allowing in other words the principles that i told you about honesty allowing freedom they live that that's why they're the advancement that they are so they recognize the response that we have and they recognize you know what if we did that we would be forcing ourselves upon them we would be forcing them to do what they don't want to do in other words that person who i wrote saying, do you want to join my group and have contact, who was freaking out? Imagine if I found out where he lived, and I went to his home and knocked on his door right at the moment the craft was coming and said, look, that would not be beneficial to him. Obviously, he doesn't want to see it. So so, so, so that's really two answers. Is One, it's already happened for so anybody who wants to see it. And two... It hasn't happened because we don't want it to happen. You know, they're smart enough to allow us to choose for ourselves. Again, anybody who reaches out for contact will have it. Those who don't, won't. And right now, the majority of people still don't. Were you about to say something?
0: Yeah. Now, my my question is with um, experiencing these crafts or seeing them, are you in a theta state or?
1: Well, yes. Yes, you, okay. you end up shifting to a theta state, which is why it becomes dreamy. You so, know, this, with, so right.
0: this is where, like, maybe you and the fishermen happen to be in this theta state, but there could have been, say, a hundred people around the same area where you saw that the pink and the purple flashing lights, and other people aren't seeing it.
1: Exactly, that's exactly right. You, you, you know, you you could you could you could best friends some people who see a craft, and someone around them don't see anything. You you could block stuff out. You can deny it. But if you see it and you connect with it, that's what's going to shift. Because, because the fact is, craft are around all the time. Uh, there's races who have beings, I mean, uh, beings who have and races who have bases on Earth uh, uh, and so on and so forth. So the beings are around us all the time. So it's not just them being around us that shifts us. When you connect with them, when you see them and you connect with them, that's what starts to shift, just like with the, the water example, right? If I have a cup of hot water and I have a cup of cold water, just sitting them two next to each other is not going to bring them to a stasis, like putting them in the same bowl together. You understand what I'm saying? So that's the difference. You actually have to come together. You have to. You actually have to mesh to make that common ground.
0: So basically so, you're trying to also like people who are more skilled and are practicing this, you're parallel processing. It's, it's like you yes. can be in this reality yet you're also tapping into the theta or that dimension and processing exactly right. them at the same time. Okay. But
1: gotcha. even, but even, but, you're, but even less than that though, like uh, for instance, when that, when that craft came out and everything started to become so real, I was parallel processing. But when I lost awareness Boom, I was just mostly in theta. So, you know, I, I would say initially it's parallel processing, but at a certain point, you literally shift into theta. Like, a, excuse me, a good example that uh, uh, um, Lisa, that uh, Sasha gave from the Pleiadian civilization through Lisa Royal, uh, what happened is she physically, a physical Pleiadian being visited a lady, right? And uh, when she walked in, and the lady sensed that energy. She made that connection with that energy. And she sensed that difference. She started to go into an altered state. She started to get sleepy, very dreamy. And the Pleiadian walked in. And because she was in this sleepy state, dreamy state, she was in a parallel processing state, like you were saying. And what she did was, the Pleiadian, rather than seeing the Pleiadian in the in the regular Pleiadian, you know, whatever kind of clothes they were, like a, you know, got like form fitting suit, she projected onto the Pleiadian a business suit because she was at work. And she projected onto the Pleiadian something that made sense to her. So you can see this Pleiadian face with a, with a large business suit, a men's business suit, right? And then eventually when she started to shift more and more, the lady just laid down and just went to sleep. She just literally just went to sleep because she was not able to remain conscious in that full altered state. So it goes through a, 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 is a continuum. You know, you start to go on to the to the, to the to the parallel processing and then eventually you're just in an altered state. Uh, which is why there's so much missing time. I mean, sometimes it's missing time because, you know, some of these beings have technology to where they can, you know, wipe your memory or, or, or things like that. But in my experience, most of the time it's missing time simply because you're not used to being aware in an altered state. So, you know, when I was a kid. I was able to just sit there and look at him, But it was just very dreamy and hazy. It was, it was almost like walking through a lucid dream, but you're there and you're, and you're seeing this being, right? And, but you're conscious, but it's still... Still surreal, uh, but if you if you're not used to being in that altered state, then then you will just lose awareness, you just don't remember anything, you know. So
0: all right, awesome. So I actually think we're going to have to have you back so we could do maybe a full show more on the course in miracles, but okay. maybe um, maybe without getting too further in depth because I I really do want to dedicate a whole show to that. Can you just Touch a little bit upon, because I know people are going to go to your website and get some of your information. But how do you connect some of the Course in Miracles work with this out of body and ET stuff that you're doing? And how how do the two relate to each other?
1: Well, um, in a sense, not at all. Like a Course in Miracles is really on a totally different level. Right. Uh, a Course in Miracles is about recognizing that the entire universe is a dream. All of it. Every single inch of it. And the universe itself is wrought from a very horrible idea. The idea that we've separated from one is that we've separated from God. So all the Course in Miracles is about is about recognizing that the world is actually a projection or a reflection of that thought, which is why we experience all the pain that we do. All the anger, all the fear, all the judgment, all the attack, all the secrecy, all the denial. Is our experience of our subconscious guilt at believing we separated from God. And that guilt is denied and projected out, and that's where all our hatred and anger comes from. The miracle in the Course in Miracles is reinterpreting the world so that that we retract our projection of guilt. Looking at where it really comes from, what is the choice that we made at the level of the mind, and then making a different choice which is recognizing that in truth the separation never occurs. When I'm angry at you, when I'm judgmental of you, I recognize that the anger I see, the anger that I have at you, is really my anger at myself, at my choice of what the Course calls a tiny mad idea. We're never angry about what happens in the world. We're never judgmental about what happens in the world. We, we, we play it out that way, but all our anger and judgment comes from our own experience of our guilt. And once we recognize that, and we recognize the illusory nature of the world because the Course gives several criteria to judge what is real. What is real is only what is eternal. Nothing here is eternal. What is real is only what is changeless. Everything here changes. Change is is basically the the defining characteristic of of this universe. So since the world is, is an illusion, is an effect, what is not real can only come from what is not real. Which means the original choice for separation is not real. So the guilt is not real. So really, you're innocent, I'm innocent, and the separation from God never occurred. So the the course is really about reaching a state of peace by starting to look at the universe from a perspective of, 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 of what's really going on. So basically, according to the course, from the course's perspective, you know, going out of body is no different from being in body. Being on earth is no different from being... Uh, you know, on Mars or on Pleiades, there's really no different. It's all just activity within an illusory world and in the illusory universe. So, of course, is a totally different perspective. Um, you know, uh, 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 one of the common mistakes that people make with the Course who, you know, don't really understand it. And that's the reason why I talk about it is there's a lot of misunderstandings about the Course. But, you know, the Course is not about denying the world at the same time. So the so the course says that decisions must be made here, even even that the world is an illusion. The course says that that you know the body to deny it is a most unworthy form of denial. So in other words, you can live your normal life, you can acknowledge what's going on in the world. So be it an illusion or not, in our experience of being in the world, you know we we have to eat and sleep and stuff. And there's extraterrestrial beings coming here, and there's different dimensions. So I, I, I delve into that because it's my experience, and I know it. But that's not to be confused with. True spirituality. Going out of body is not going to make you spiritual. Walking, talking to an ET is not going to make you spiritual. Looking at your adjustments and addressing their real cause and undoing that cause—that's what's going to make you spiritual. That's what's going to, as the quote says, remove the blocks to the awareness of the fact that we're one and that our true state is totally beyond the universe entirely. So but as you say, that's that's an entire discussion, but you know, that's that's a little nutshell of it.
0: Yeah, and, and I know that you have a book coming out in March, so I think we definitely would like to have you back on the show just to dedicate it dedicated to some of the work in A uh, Course in Miracles. And the one thing that I really like about uh, what I have just kind of uh, researched a little bit and some of the things that I have read with the Course in Miracles, and this this text is kind of new to me in this past, I would say, year and a half, two years, but one of the things that I really like, and I think all of, what all of this comes back to, and even with extraterrestrials and out-of-body experiences, is I know that the Course basically says that you can't be a servant of two minds, which is fear and love. And how they look at fear, how it's discussed where fear is an illusion. And if we are able to kind of move past some of our fears, just with everything, with having out-of-body experiences or meeting extraterrestrials or thinking that there's other universes out there. And if we can rid ourselves of this fear, then we can be more of that servant of love and acceptance and understanding maybe the greater cosmos for who they are. Or or, or what it is. So, but, um, we really loved having you on the show and thanks so much. Can you just let our listeners know, um, the books that you do have out and where they can find that, um, to connect with you a little bit more and read about what you wrote.
1: Surely, My first book is called Travel Far. Uh, I, I share dozens of my out-of-body experiences as well as comprehensive techniques on how to have the experience. You know, everyone who I've taught who apply themselves has succeeded. Uh, you can get it at Amazon. Uh, it's available in print as well as in uh, Amazon Kindle. If you get the paperback, the Kindle actually comes free. So if you want to get both, buy the paperback first and then the, the Kindle will come free along with the paperback. And uh, you know, it teaches all about altered states. Uh, t- share in detail my uh, uh, ET encounters as well, and uh, through these altered states, not only can you uh, develop your psychic powers, not only can you have out-of-body experiences, but you can have contact as well. And uh, in March of next year, I have a book called "Classes on the Course of Miracles" coming out, uh, which uh, what I started to do was record the classes I taught on the Course of Miracles, and uh, t- 12 classes I have transcripts of them in the book. So it goes into excuse me, all various different aspects of the course, and the student is asking questions, and, and you can get very in-depth about the understanding, and, you know, different classes focus on different aspects of it. And, uh, and that'll be coming out in March, so travel far and then uh, uh, classes on the course in miracles in March.
0: Okay, great. And uh, Daryl also sent us a couple of links through Skype while we were here on the phone, so we'll go ahead and put those in the show notes so our listeners can... Op- you know, follow along with what we were looking at and what we were seeing that you sent us. Um,
1: right, sure. oh, and and, uh, and if you want to contact me, the you can contact, contact me at uh, nextdensity.com, n-e-x-t, d-e-n-s-i-t-y.com, or my personal website daryl e berry jr. dot com, dot com. Yeah,
2: then you, I was just going through your website uh, earlier this week, and and actually right now, and it, you, we have you have a wealth of knowledge and links and just from what we talked about the last hour we've only begun to scratch the surface with what you've published on here it's it's quite amazing the, the, the links and videos you have awesome
0: yeah so thanks so much for uh, being a part of our show and we definitely would love to have you back so we can uh, do a show on Course in Miracles
1: Sure, and welcome I enjoy being here and I look forward to being back and go ahead and set the date
0: great thank you bye-bye if you'd like more information about our films or to purchase our DVDs, you can head on over to our website at thepassseries.com. They're also available to purchase on amazon.com.
2: Our films are also streaming online at vimeo.com, guyamtv.com, and iTunes.
0: If you have a show suggestion or would like us to interview someone specifically, please feel free to shoot us an email at info at or send us a tweet at thepassseries.
2: Please rate and review us in iTunes and subscribe.
0: We hope you enjoyed the show.